Hello and welcome to Mean Guys. The podcast that traces two brothers' journey of self-discovery through the medium of traditionally feminine films. I'm Ben. And I'm Max. And over the next few weeks we'll be delving into some classic rom-coms and some dubious chick flicks. There's going to be craziness, stupidity and almost certainly love. Well you certainly got the first two covered. This week we are reviewing... Crazy Stupid Love. It's been a while since we've done our last podcast. Yep, a little while uh, since the summer where we did the first three episodes. So we thought we'd fill everyone in a little bit about what's going on. The plan is to record a couple um, while I'm back for spring. Yeah, over the Easter half term. Yeah, which uh, should get released at some point once I've uh, done my editing job on it. It's important to note as well for these next couple, we're using a slightly different setup. So you might get some different sounds, might get some slight technical um difficulties but we're going to try and work on that it should work out all better in the end so uh, that being said there's lots to talk about i reckon for this film crazy stupid love so want to get right on with the back of the dvd reader? certainly ben <laughs> so cheesy there we go 40 something cow weaver steve carrot how do you spell corral 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 is right Sorry, yeah <laughs> thinks his marriage is perfect until his wife emily asks for a divorce now Cow is single and looking for love with the help of expert lady killer Jacob Palmer, who gives Cow's manhood a remarkable makeover. Amid inappropriate crushes and romantic encounters, Cow and Jacob discover that being a player without the right partner isn't just crazy and stupid, it's impossible. There we go. There we go. Did, did you skip out some of the bracketed names? Well, yes, I usually that. don't do it, and then I've done it for I think one you... person. I can't even pronounce his surname, so I well, gave up with the rest. Grab it again briefly to start talking about it, because okay, so you mentioned Jacob. Jacob is Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. And Emily is Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Does it talk about Emma Stone? Um, she is not mentioned on the back of this reading, but she is certainly there. Is that something to mention right off the bat? This is a film with two love interests, including... Uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Yes, much like La La Land. Much like La La Have Land. Have you seen La La Land? Yeah, we, we've talked about La La Land. Did you see it in the cinema or was it after when it came out on no, Netflix? just on DVD. Or... Oh, I see. But it's one we've both seen and very much in the in the genre. Definitely, Though yeah. we haven't sort of said our opinions on record. Oh, uh, so do you want to put them on record as it now? Were. I mean, you don't need to go into that, but it's important to note, you know, talking about this film, we have both it's seen... It's a fine film. The most recent, yeah, no, we both like La La Land, so it's interesting. Liked it a bit more is the jazzy kind of undertones, though. I certainly like the music, but um, but the um, you know the the romance of it, or you know the stuff we're going to be reviewing this film, still stands in the same way. Yeah, so this is a slightly younger um, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Mm, but I was surprised, not so much. Guess when this film was released? Two thousand eleven. Okay, you already knew. <laughs> but isn't that surprising? Somewhat to you, that seems quite recent. Yeah, she does look quite young in it, Emma Stone. Um, so I would have said it was, maybe I would have guessed 2008 or something, you know, one of the noughties kind of type. Yeah, it felt more like that. A lot of the films in the, uh, in the bag that we're picking out of are from that kind of late, uh, twin, two, what, what do you call it, the noughties? Yeah, noughties, late yeah. noughties. Prime charity shop movie era. <laughs> yeah, that probably does dictate it quite a lot. You're not going to get recent releases from the uh, charity shops we've been going to. No. So before we really get into the plot and the characters, what did you think? Um, it wasn't amazing. I thought it was a it was a decent film, but probably the worst that we've reviewed so far. Worst that we've reviewed so far. This is going to be pretty interesting. We normally make a few points. I've I've made notes here as ever. Actually, today I've made notes on paper. 
Oh, very exciting! Are you going old school? Normally, I've got notes on my phone. Yeah, I've still got, got my notes on my phone. Actual physical paper and pen today, and the first note I have on my notepad is with a big uh, exclamation mark. Very much enjoyed it. Oh, wow! I was quite. I got the word feet. Feet. Yes, that's that's my first note. I hope that's going to fit into something, and that isn't just uh, completely <laughs> relevant. Maybe we'll get to your point about feet, but before that. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm going to try and justify that to you. Okay. Um, it it was just enjoyable to watch. It was quite a ride to watch. I felt. Ooh. Um, there were surprises, and now I think there was a surprise, the the main surprise that caught you out, same as me. What was the main surprise? The main surprise. Oh, oh the main surprise. Well, yeah, the main the surprise, surprise with the, the Emma Stone. Uh, as we always say on on Mean Girls, we're going to be talking about the film. It's completely mean spoilers. Guys. Mean guys. Sorry. Um, we always talk about spoilers here, and uh, so the main twist, about two thirds of the way through the film, probably further, maybe further, is that the Definitely Emma further. Stone character that's been uh, dating the Ryan Gosling character. I'm just going to refer to them by their actors' names because you can't remember their real names in the movie. Exactly, uh, is in fact the daughter of the Steve Carell character. And drama in shoes. Yeah. And that caught you out just the same as... Definitely, uh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know that Nana was Hannah. Exactly. That was quite clever. Hannah Banana. Exactly. Um, and that's something we've talked about in the podcast before. I'm always caught out by these things. I never see things coming. You're often I sometimes looking see into them, the future like, When more. I'm watching a movie, I do like to kind of see where it's going. And I always hope that it isn't what I'm thinking. And it sometimes, especially with these films, it ends up being exactly what you expect. But this one, yeah, it completely hit me out of the water so or the ballpark i don't know what the phrase is but yeah it hit me somewhere <laughs> right okay hit you somewhere um but was that not exciting oh no, no it was a very, very good twist yes i liked it mm-hmm. but i felt as if um what was the movie we watched with that we reviewed yeah go on <laughs> where they go and it's the same as mrs robinson da, 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 and it's Oh. Indeed, it was based on The Graduate, it and it called? was called Rumour Has It. Rumour Has It, um, it reminded me a bit of Rumour Has It, but kind of way? it kind of disappointed me, because it wasn't, all of the big twists and turns weren't as big as anything that was happening in Rumour Has It. So Rumour Has It, there was the, there was the strange um, freeway romance in this film, which I wanted to bring up. Yeah, freeway sort of romance. So there was um, this um, young 13-year-old child... The babysitter and Steve Carell's character, and they were all in a, a love triangle almost. Yeah, or a love uh, line. Um, there wasn't love, any loving back. A love triangle of sorts. Well, that's often so the boy fancied is. the babysitter, and the babysitter fancied Steve. Yes. And well, again, this isn't anything compared to. Rumor has it. Yeah. Um, that was a three generations of the family. So anything less than that, I'm quite disappointed with nowadays. I think the thing with rumor has it. it was quite far-fetched a lot of that storyline and quite kind of rooted in this sort of Hollywood uh, lifestyle, which is the whole idea of it. But this was much more of a you know, plausibly real story. So, if, But if you start going down that route, I want them to go all the way instead of just having a small, you know, two generations of the family. Puh, what's that? <laughs> right, OK. You weren't impressed by the amount of entanglement of these uh, relationships and love triangles. I think they should have got the granddad involved, is all I'm saying. Yeah, right, OK. <laughs> So you compared it to Rumour Has It, a film we've reviewed. To me, one of the main things that jumped out in this film in terms of a film comparison, and you've got to agree with this, uh, certainly after I pointed out, it's kind of like 
uh, an American love actually. I can see where that's what you mean by that. But yeah. I still feel Love Actually has its own very special. It's got lots of lots more storylines going on. This only has it does. three or four. But it follows the same sort of beats for a few different reasons. First of all, it has got those sort of love relationship storylines that are all kind of entangled and you don't realise until the end quite how entangled they are. You yeah. get that moment of shock when it all comes together. There's a small child who's in love and the dad helping him through it. Yeah, yeah, that childhood relationship. And yeah, just quite how entangled the families are. You don't really realise until sort of some of the last few scenes. I see what you mean, yeah. Uh, not only that, but the amount of names in it, Love Actually Saving Us, for bringing together all these British kind of titans of cinema. And yeah, you know, this has a similar effect. It's, it's quite a star-studded cast. Yeah, we haven't mentioned Kevin Bacon yet. Kevin Bacon in there. Yeah, they actually Julianne got an Moore. award for their casting. An award? Yeah, they actually won. They weren't just nominated. Uh, you, you've said this before on, on the podcast. Uh, an award for what? By who? For, by know. some sort of casting. I, I did look it up. But uh, by a big casting reward uh, award thing fine they fine. gave them a casting award i mean everyone knows unless it's the oscars or the golden globes it, it wasn't an oscar really or matter they did also um emma stone got a t- teen choice award for her oh teen choice Award. sorry i <laughs> forgot teen choice award that ranks above oscars and golden globes Definitely. of course of course it does i mean to be honest for some of these chick flicks it's probably got more um more of a place to judge maybe teen choice yeah i think oscars and golden globes are definitely a level above yeah. film wise there we go. We should all pay attention to the um, Teen Choice Awards when judging some of these rom-coms and chick flicks. You heard it here first. Plus, it isn't. I, I don't really like lots of um, the critics' opinions, so I do like it when it is just kind of all voted by the people. Is Teen Choice entirely public vote? Oh, well, it's definitely lots of... I, I remember always voting for it, so I always oh, okay. hope that it's entirely public and not critical. Yeah, there's a certain sort of validity in that, especially for these kind of films which are just more public appeal. And I think my type of film is definitely one that is more of a public-liked one than a critical one. I haven't got much of a critical eye. Hmm. Well, that's what we try and do with these films, is it? Just judge it on our enjoyment rather than any kind of critic, um, you know, judgment of it. But that that's being the most said, important thing. We do it for entertainment, and so if we don't enjoy it, and it's a critically good film, then it's still a bad film. So I wanted to to talk a bit about the relationship between um, Steve's character and Ryan's character. The Steve Carell character and um, Ryan Gosling, yeah. Yeah, so they first joined together and it was a bit like kind of a friendly thing um, in a bar and Ryan, he came up to Steve's character and said, right, basically, you look like a mess. I need to get you sorted and take you out, get you a whole new wardrobe and give you some tips to get some girls. Yeah. And then... We find out later on, Ryan's character's dad had passed away earlier, um, quite early in his life, and he's always had this void missing, and he says about how his dad's really caring and really nice, and I think he sees these qualities in Steve's character. Definitely, I mean, that's stated when um, the Steve Carell character, Cal, uh, asks Ryan Reynolds' character, Jacob, see, I'm on the ball this time. There we go. (laughs) Uh, He asks him why he's helping him out, and... You know, um, Jacob does say, um, I can't remember the exact wording of it, to be honest, but um, you remind me of someone or, um, you know, I see something in you, right? Yeah, no, yeah. So it's very, at the start, you go, oh, I wonder who it is. But then exactly. yeah, you find out that it is this father figure. And it turns out he's going to be his father-in-law. Yeah, I didn't make that connection, actually. Yeah, of course. He now is a father of sorts to him. 
there's a weird sort of dynamic change. I mean, that's the whole sort of their arc of the two characters. Um, obviously, how the shift and the kind of, I suppose, dominance goes from Jacob's character telling the uh, Steve Carell character uh, to how to live his life and then being turned around suddenly, sort of the Steve Carell character is the boss of uh, the Ryan Gosling character at the end. You're mixing the words now. You're saying like, Jacob's character instead of I know it's, it's so confusing. character just using them interchangeably. No called Jacob, but that is the uh, main arc there, isn't it? Are those two characters and how that changes? Yeah, definitely. and there's lots of sub arcs all through, and it all comes together at one point at the end. So Steve's just going to make this big apology in trying to get um, his wife back, and then suddenly, again, Ryan Gosling's character comes in with his daughter, and he gets, starts getting tackled by the parent of the babysitter and everything just goes down and we left at the end of the movie not really knowing what the future will hold i mean it wraps it up i I was quite ready for the film to end quite soon after that point for maybe the steve carell character to kind of accept uh, quite quickly the ryan gosling character into his family obviously that didn't happen and that's where i felt maybe it was quite drawn out maybe too much uh, towards the end, maybe the last like half an hour. Oh, I think I liked it. It was quite a nice ending, especially at the um, son's graduation, him coming up doing the speech, and then mm. everything just came together quite nicely. It, it did come together. I just think it could have come together potentially sooner in the film um, than it did. But no, it, they did round it off very nicely at the end. Yeah, tied together all the loose ends. So yeah, it all looks relatively positive for Cow. Yeah, no, exactly. It, um, sort of rounded it all off and um, yeah as always or as at least by our experience is always the case with these uh, rom-coms um, it's a happy ending for all we yet to come across one that ends on a real tragedy put it that way yeah no, which is good I think that's another point of these films they're a bit more upbeat a bit happier and you watch these films to be lifted up a bit mm. compared to other genres mm. one other aspect of rom-coms we've talked about before um it's come up in a couple of the films we've watched definitely mean girls i swear there's been a few others uh, as well is the trope in a chick flick or rom-com of the makeover scene or the transformation scene oh yes I, we've okay. talked about this before often it's some kind of nerdy girl that sort of gets taken off by a group of friends and gets sort of like hair and makeup done this and that and transforms into someone else uh, you know someone you wouldn't really expect this time we had a transformation scene and it was of this nerdy but um but not so much the teenage girl side of things but the nerdy steve carell character D- didn't you think like a lot of the first half hour steve carell was quite 40 year old virgin the film. Um, certainly. I haven't actually seen that film, so I have oh, okay. no idea if he was or not. I don't know why I said certainly, to be honest. <laughs> but I was just trying to sound confident. Right. Um, but he may have been. But before he starts any kind of transformation, the kind of goofy Steve Carell that's a bit kind of lost we see in that first 20 minutes. Yeah, and all of the Steve Carells I'm used to seeing is in things like Anchorman, where he is this goofy comedy character. So after the transformation did happen, it was actually looking pretty good. I, I was impressed. Sure. I didn't it's know a, he could. He scrapped up quite nicely. Well, it's a thing up. I've seen on the the internet, and like Steve Carell's like fifty something now, but it's a thing I've seen that people making a point of. Actually, Steve Carell is surprisingly good looking, he is. especially as an older man. Uh, yeah, 
So they made the most of that in this film, and like you said, he does scrub up well when um, Ryan Gosling has uh, had his work with him. I have noticed on the back of the um, DVDs, they always describe them as a like a 40-something-year-old or a 30-something-year-old man, and they never actually say an exact age. It's a bit sure. weird. I think it's so, is it so it's more of an everyman character, and you can relate to them more? Sure. It just seems a bit odd. It's the forty something. It's in. It's been on the back of a couple. And just so a on. rough kind of demographic. I think they always make a point when it is like forty or fifty something because the default in a lot of these films is twenty somethings. Yeah, um, that tends to be who it's kind of well maybe maybe aimed at, but definitely who it includes. Uh, so it's always maybe they make a point of it when it's appealing and featuring some some of the older generation. I suppose not the forty is particularly old. Uh, well, what are we talking about? So that was quite interesting, seeing the transformation, not so much of this kind of classic teenage girl thing, but in, in the case of, uh, yeah, Steve Carell. And a very different case as well. They mentioned it in the film, how he sort of just got him a different suit and like new clothes and things like that. Um, and even the Ryan Gosling character mentions how easy it is for a guy. He can just in one moment buy like 15 different uh, items of clothing and he's got a whole new wardrobe. Um, whereas we often see in these chick flicks um, going around to get rid of the whole thing. wardrobe of thousands of stuff and buy loads more exactly. things whereas the case in this film it was just a new suit but it can be a new suit and just a new style can completely change how you are because it can just give you that extra boost of confidence hmm. I mean precisely they that say was... like um, wearing deodorant it makes you um, more attracted to them but not just not because of the smell because of the confidence that comes with it well I never That's the they say that, that do they well, you know, the scientists and stuff. The scientists say that. You're a scientist, you're a physicist, you should know. Oh, yes. they say it all the time, Max. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> should we get into a bit more of uh, some analysis, I suppose? Oh, like deep? I mean, not too deep. Okay. But, you know, we, we always try and talk about some of the implications and, you know, some of the meanings in, in these films. I was just going to talk a little bit about um, sort of how it was pitched. Once again, we had... I guess the two lead characters you'd have to say were the ones we keep on mentioning, the Steve Carell character and the Ryan Gosling <laughs> character, which again is a little bit unusual um, for a rom-com. But first of all, I guess I'll pitch it to you like this. How did uh, Ryan Gosling come across in that first half of the film, I suppose you'd say? I think very well. He played the character. Oh, you just gave me a weird look. Not, not Ryan Gosling. How did the character come across? Oh, I see. But yeah, so he was um, portraying quite a pretentious character quite pretentious and quite womanizing yes exactly so someone that you shouldn't really like and it's the sort of person that you do see getting the girls kind of at school or you know at the clubs it's always that sort of character who you don't think really deserves it so on my notes here um that i was making throughout the film um around around you know a third of the way through when we met all the characters i started making little notes i've got a little mind map i've got the word misogynistic in the middle there and um so we we had ryan gosling and his womanizing picking up in the bar telling women that they were coming back home with them he still gave him a choice but yes it was very yeah, kind of all oh, i'm this hot attractive guy so that means you'll definitely like me and come back with but me. it had that tone to it didn't it on the other side of that obviously we had the this um what was it 13 year old boy something yeah those very lines. nervous about all of this very sort of nervous stuff. and he was going after this older uh, babysitter character including sending lots of texts and making big 
kind of public appearances and there's one moment where the babysitter does like text back to him saying like stop you're making me feel uncomfortable and a few things in that first half did come across quite kind of like he was obviously didn't know any better and was uh going very much over the top and chasing off this girl in kind of creepy over the top ways yeah when it comes to love it's generally men who are the weirdos isn't it that's probably that's certainly true in real life and that's that's that was the certainly point making. what's portrayed here in the first half but that was going to be a kind of complaint when i was first writing down these notes okay but they kind of turned it around and made a point of it right yeah certainly, certainly. in some bits that this real scene that jumps out is the scene where um emma stone comes back to uh, ryan gosling's place and you think it's just going to go down like anything else like, like this Ryan Gosling character does every time but somehow it's it's a great scene um the Emma Stone character kind of systematically unpicks um the kind of process that uh, Ryan Gosling goes through and, and kind of go for each thing and just kind of calls it out laughs at it and you can see the Ryan Gosling character getting embarrassed pretty much of having to admit to this kind of way he deals with women when he brings them back that's the thing, when you actually want to fall in love with someone, you can't be putting on this act. And mm. that's why I think they did connect eventually, because she broke down them barriers. And instead of playing on this act of this, you know, really suave gentleman who picks girls up and takes them back and has, sex, has his way with her or whatever, she was undoing that and just trying to see the man he was inside. And that's what you really need for love to flourish yeah that showed the change in him as well and how she affected that in him and also i just found it great how that kind of unpicked and proved me wrong you know going like oh what's this film doing encouraging all this uh you yeah. know this this point of view towards women and then suddenly he just broke it all down in that one scene with this emma stone character just sort of tearing her apart essentially yeah and emma stone's character as well at the start she's talking to her friend and her friend goes oh you're all pg-13 you know you wouldn't do anything like that and you get back to um ryan gosling's house and you think oh she wants to have sex with him you know it's going to be non-pg-13 now and she's like oh you know in, in a pg-13 movie i'm going to fall asleep and you kiss me on the head i don't want that I want to ask next. And then um, at the end, she kisses him as he goes to sleep. It's completely turned around and she ends up tucking him into bed. And the movie is a PG-13 movie, so it kind of works perfect. In America, we have 12s in in England. Yeah, the equivalent of that. But no, that was a great sort of switcheroo. I did enjoy that. Just a nice little moment. Yeah, again, sort of proving the Ryan Gosling character and his methods wrong. And a long little joke throughout the film, which I liked. Before we move on to the final bit, I wanted to mention one other thing. This might end up like on the cutting room floor. Um, but I was going to ask you uh, about the idea of soulmates. This is something that comes up um, quite a lot in this film. They mention the idea of um, whether or not um, there is a soulmate or not. So in the spirit of, um, was it self-discovery or whatever we say in the exactly. podcast intro, you always ask me awkward questions. I'm going to pose one to you for once. Do you believe in the idea of soulmates? I think I do subscribe to love being an everlasting type thing. But whether there's one person for each each person on earth, I don't really agree with. But I think that if you love someone, that love will go on. 
That's do you think about that idea? Because you always turn it back. I do me. always turn it back on you. No, actually, I, I, I'm sort of in the same point of view. I think it's silly the idea that there's only one person in the whole world that you'd ever have fallen in love with. Definitely, there's plenty of fish in the sea, as they say. Because then, you know, why on earth would everyone be convinced their soulmate is the the person that grew up in like a town, like half an hour away or something? It's a bit, bit of a coincidence, right? Yeah. But I, I'm I'm in the same point of view that I do think that two people can sort of find each other and be perfectly kind of matched to each other in that way and like the whole thing about soulmates is if you do find someone who's so perfect for you they're probably not perfect there's always going to be you'd rather someone who is a bit different who doesn't seem you want some gravel in your relationship right instead of instead of it all to be completely peachy because i don't know yeah i guess what i mean by strive for no but i guess what i guess that's why mean perfect for you you know that's not necessarily as absolutely perfect in every kind of way i mean that's different for each person but yeah perfectly matched i suppose yeah. uh, i think uh, that can be something that exists anyway yeah that's enough um self-discovery for one podcast I'm yeah sure i'm sure shall we move Plenty. on to the uh free criteria i think we should by which we judge a rom-com you start us off with the first one then and the first one is same order every time, you know, the one-line wonder. We haven't done this in a few months now, Ben. So it is true, yeah, it's been a while. I'm a bit rusty. While. The one-line wonder. Okay, so this is our favourite comedy quote to try and highlight the funniness of the film. Indeed. Um, And I think just the first scene of this film was quite good. You, um, It goes over and there's in this restaurant and there's these feet under tables, which hence the feet earlier on on the front of, our, of on my course. first note we've come back round to the feet note wonderful yes tell us and about there's that there's these heels and some nice shoes all rubbing against each other and you know the way couples do apparently under tables and then it just comes to this pair of uh, nikes um under the table yeah like and white sneakers like you know, just trainers and it just goes up to um grew grew yeah sorry what <laughs> despicable me what does he voice grew? Yeah, come on, you must have seen, you knew that, didn't you? Yeah, why are you mentioning that now? <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> so Max's one-line wonder that made no, him no, laugh that, that was the fact that a character in this voices a popular um, cartoon character in in a film franchise. Well, it's a, the whole sensual bit of it, and then it just goes to grew wearing some sneakers. Okay, But sure. then... After that, the quote, and she, and he's like, "Oh, what should we choose for pudding?" And I, he goes, "Oh, we'll say um, we'll say what we want in um, three, two, one." And he goes, and his wife goes, "A divorce." And he goes, "Creme brulee," <laughs> which I think was my definitely set the tone for the rest of the film. It was a very good opening scene, and you know I'd um have to agree. I think that's my favourite as well. And I'm not just saying that because I haven't prepared a uh, one-line wonder for today's podcast. Have you got it written down in your paper notes? I haven't. Um, paper notes? Oh, no, it must have been obscured by, you know, crossings out and stuff. It can happen when you've got paper notes, you know? I think you're just copying me. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, that being said, should we move on to who you're shipping? Go for it. Okay, I'll kick things off with this one. I don't have to have prepared anything, which I'm quite glad of. Um, let's see. Who am I shipping? Uh, I would say... I am shipping, yeah, why not? 
just the Ryan Reynolds and the Emma Stone character. I like the seeing their relationship in La La Land. I think they make a good on-screen couple, so I'm going to get behind anything that's got Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling in it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm just hoping for the future, really, um, for the two younger stars of the film, because they're still working out all of their hormones and all of the ins and outs of love. So I think, I hope that they do find their perfect match, but not together. Oh, oh I see what you mean. Sorry, I thought you were hoping for something with the oh, two no, of them together. I don't together. want them two to be together. I just think they want to. I think they should move on and find the perfect match for, each, um, for themselves. Yeah, because I mean, you could could make the argument and say like, oh, when they're older, that age won't make a difference, kind of thing. But um, let's say, say a thirteen-year-old, you know, thinks he's found his soulmate in um, five years' time, or even less than that. That's uh, not going to be the case uh, for him. It occasionally is. No, it can happen. But I do agree. Um, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, and I hope for those characters that they go on to live um, you know, happy lives or whatever. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was my shipping, just shipping their future. Okay, but, but to clarify, not together. Not together, no. Got it. Okay, you're, <laughs> you're, you're shipping future potential relationships with unknown... <laughs> yeah, okay. Any ideas for them? Um, no, I'm not really sure. Just, just the right person. The right person. Great. <laughs> what a matchmaker. Final test, the tearjerker test. Now, this is kind of a tricky one for this one. There wasn't really any crying moments. I mean, you find them if there are, so tell me, were there? No, there wasn't, and this was one of the reasons I didn't like the film. I know you're a big fan, but, um... I always think that if a film provokes that enough emotional response to make you cry, it's going to be a decent film. But because this didn't, I was quite disappointed. Because I cry happiness, sadness, as I said before, yeah. and there wasn't anything happy enough to make me cry, nothing sad enough. It was all very monotone. Okay. I mean, well, there was very few moments that you could have cried, and clearly I didn't cry, I didn't find any of those moments. But, but back to that point you were criticising on again, I think the humour in this film was good. Like, I, I was laughing, you know, pretty regularly throughout it. Um, I had the odd chuckle, but it wasn't anything that I would go raving about. Mm. It must be said as well, we um, just watch this film. Quite often we leave it a day or so to review it actually here on the podcast, but we've just come like an hour ago from um, watching the film. Fresh off the ocean floor. So maybe that view will change as time goes on, but for me at the moment, I'm I'm really into that film. I'm, I'm going to be recommending that Crazy Stupid Love Gets two big thumbs up for me oh yeah middle kind of thumbs maybe one even down well you said it's the worst film we've reviewed so far certainly yeah what would you say is the worst so far worst so far um i'm, I'm sort of losing track of what we've reviewed really um you, rumor has really it rumor has it wasn't fantastic but they did do their complex relationships better than this mm. film i think even though there was the whole lots of family dynamics going on mm. it was just the fact Three generations, well. Well, just a chance for some um, self-promo, I guess. Um, if, if you haven't checked out any of those previous episodes we have reviewed, do go back now. They're all available uh, on the Mean Guys SoundCloud page or on any podcast players. Available on iTunes. So do uh, check that out if you want to hear a little bit more in depth what we thought about some of these films. I do mentioning. doubt anyone's going to start at this episode. I think they'll just start at episode zero, maybe carried on to one and then just stopped from there. You may be right there, which is why we've got to drum up support, you know, who knows. Uh, so that, that's about some of the films we have reviewed. But, Max, I think it's time to decide what we're uh, reviewing next. Okay, then let's you go for it. Grab the bag.
bag. I'm going to give it a bit of a shovel. As always, the charity shop bag. Max has given him a good mix-up. And shall I do the honours of drawing one out then? Go for it. And announce, as the music starts playing, that next time on Mean Guys, we will be reviewing the film... Ooh, definitely maybe. <laughs> 